What's up, everyone? Welcome to What Do You Want to Watch, the podcast hosted by myself, Nathan English, and David Dirks. Uh, we're tr- continuing the tradition of white guys in their 20s feeling like they have to have a podcast that nobody asked for. So we are two roommates who have lived together for three years who talk about stuff. And one of the most frequent questions that we have just late on a weeknight is, what do you want to watch after all of our roommates go to bed? So this show is going to cover movies, sports, TV, really anything we want to talk about. But for this first episode, we thought we'd give you a little taste of our taste. So we're going to go over movie recommendations. These are going to be classified by genre. And this is just, you know, let's say you're just sitting at home alone on a Friday night or maybe if you're not lonely, actually with someone and and you just want to watch a movie, but you don't really want to scroll through streaming platforms for 30, 45 minutes trying to find something to watch before you decide to just watch an episode of The Office and then go to bed. So we're going to try to help with that. Up first, we got animated features. Darks, you want to give your animated recommendation? Yes. So my uh, first animated recommendation is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, it came out in 2018, uh, and if you're curious where to watch it, just real quick, it's on Amazon for three bucks. So if your dad's paying for Prime, you can just, you know, buy, rent that for a couple couple days and <laughs> apologize. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Hulu, Hulu with a, a premium subscription. But uh, I just really enjoyed this film. I think actually it's one of the high, one of the higher rated Marvel movies. Um, but just that comic so book style of like animation, I'm not sure we've seen before and especially not no, in this so quality. Unique. Yeah. It's so unique. And I think that the thing going into this, I watched this movie in theaters um, with one of my other friends and I was not really expecting a lot. I actually didn't really want to go see it because I was like, I don't watch animated movies in theaters. I'm not seven. Like, I'll just wait until they come out if I want to watch it. But, like, the visuals just hitting you in a theater and the sound quality and just the voiceover, the voice performances, it's just, it's, this movie is stunning. No, it really was. And even the soundtrack was really good. Obviously, I think most people know the song Sunflower, which is from this movie and many others that are good. But, yeah, I mean, it's really, it it had a good cast. Um, John Mulaney as Spider-Pig, Nicolas Cage, uh, Mahershala Ali, Shamik Moore, Jake Johnson. Uh, Shamik Moore was as it was Miles Morales, but uh, Jake Johnson is Peter. Haley Steinfeld is Gwen. Um, Catherine Hahn, Dog, many, and and you may not know those names, but I, I would imagine if you Google them, you'll recognize the face that you see. Um, just kind of a stat cast, and really, I thought it was pretty well. Even Nicolas Cage, like he kind of fit his part, which he usually doesn't. Yeah, was it? Was it for you, where do you rank it on Spider-Man films? Uh, obviously, we've both seen No Way Home. We don't want to spoil it, but we've both seen it. Where would you rank this in terms of Spider-Man films? Number two. The second best? So I what's your so. number one? I think No Way Home's number one No Way one Home's one, and this is two? Wow, that's... But it's close. I think I, would put it right, I think I would put it right up there, too. This is also the first, for everybody confused by Marvel's multiverse, and, you know, that's where everybody's going. DC's doing a multiverse now. Heck, there's an A24 movie coming out about the multiverse later on that has <laughs> nothing to do with comic books. Um, this is a great introduction to that and an easy way to understand it, too. This movie does not get bogged down in complexities <laughs> about what universe everybody's from and what... It's it's really quick. It's easy to understand, and it's really well done, well executed. Yeah, and uh, you know, if you don't already know this um, website, and we're probably going to plug it quite a bit, we use something called Letterboxd that Nathan actually 
either saw on Reddit, I believe, first, and then kind of like introduced to me, and it's kind of spread, but just kind of give you an idea, Spider-Verse right now is a 4.4 out of 5, so it's a 5-star rating system, you can go half stars. Right now it's a 4.4 out of 5, and uh, 388,000 people have given it a 5, down to 150,000 have given it a 4.5, and then 201,000 people have given it a 4 to 5. So it's very, like, that's like, it's not like, ooh, you know, 300 people get, like, I mean, almost 400,000 people um, have given it a perfect score. So that's usually kind of telling how good a movie is. Yeah, this is one of the... There's few movies, it seems like, recently that come out that have universal approval ratings, where you we talk about a movie and, like, there's always going to be, like, a seeming like a large group of people that are just like, this, I don't like this, this sucks, or they want to just be a part of the discourse. I have yet to meet a person that has seen this movie that doesn't at least enjoy it. Now, they may not think it's the best Spider-Man movie ever, or you know, even one of the best animated movies ever. But I've never seen a person that has come out of watching this and gone, yeah, I didn't really like that. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I agree wholeheartedly with Dirk's recommendation of this movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, 1.2 million people just on this app alone. There's so many other ones, IMDb, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, but 1.2 million people have watched this movie just on this app and have logged it. Um, so I would imagine most of you listening have probably watched this, but if you haven't, Highly, highly recommend uh, that. Uh, Nathan, what's your pick? Um, yeah, so I'm going to go with one that was released this year that actually, I believe, got nominated for Best Animated Feature at the Oscars this year, which is probably going to go to Encanto, um, even though a lot of people don't like that uh, because Disney just Disney's Disney, and you just have to kind of recognize that. Um, but it's The Mitchells versus The Machines which is a straight-to-Netflix movie. Netflix is doing really good at the Oscars this year, by the way. They're, apparently, their push to get a lot of awards movies is working out. It is directed by Michael Rianda and written by Michael Rianda, Jeff Rowe, and Peter Zelegia. I apologize because I'm sure I botched that. Um, this is just a quick overview. If you have not heard of this movie, which I just found it randomly on Netflix one day, um, it's about an Amazon-slash-Apple-type corporation, I guess I would say, that just makes uh, advanced AI and the AI does what all AI do in movies and decides that the best way to save the planet is to get rid of all people. This one, it's a little bit more humane than Terminator 2, Judgment Day. You don't see a nuke frying a kid's playground, but you do see uh, they want to just put all humans in pods and then ship them out to space and, you know, I guess have them slowly die from oxygen depletion, which is kind of dark. But it's a movie about a dysfunctional family trying to save the universe from a robot apocalypse. Hmm. Um, I, this movie's just super charming. It's got great references. It clearly is a movie that loves other movies. Uh, and I love movies that love movies. And that's what this one is, which that phrase didn't mean anything. And I apologize. <laughs> uh, my mother's going to be mad that I just rambled for that long. But <laughs> it's, it's a movie that loves other movies. There's so many good references. The voice acting is great. I mean, you look at the cast. Uh, Maya Rudolph is in there. Olivia Coleman is pal, the villain of the film. Olivia Coleman is amazing. If you haven't seen anything Olivia Coleman's been in, um, you should fix that now. Go to her IMDb and just just look at her stuff. Do I see Blake Griffin on that? Blake Griffin? I did not. I did not look far enough on the. Blake yeah, Griffin is yep. in this movie. Yeah, he's on the list. <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so Blake Griffin's in it. Do you did did I need to say anything else? Blake Griffin's in this. No, this movie is it's just it's super charming. It's it's not very long, obviously. It's an animated feature, which those are always shorter, but it's it's just a movie that will leave you feeling happy and satisfied with the time that you spent. It's 
It's one that you can just look up on Netflix. You'll watch it in an hour and a half of your time, and you'll be done. And you'll be thinking, that was solid. That was a great movie. I don't think it's as good as Into the Spider-Verse, personally. But I think that it's a great, it's a fun watch. It's just a really fun watch. Would you consider this strictly a kid's movie? Or is it a little more, like, no, higher it, age? It for sure, it's, it's kind of in the, um, I don't know how to, it's not in the Shrek vein. It doesn't, like, make a lot of, you know, pretty pure all jokes that, mm-hmm. you know, kids don't get. But I think that it's a story that's not you don't have to be a kid to like it or enjoy it it's not i think kids can watch it and enjoy it but if you're an adult and especially if you're a lover of films you're going to get a lot more of the references than kids and that's what's going to keep you coming back Mm -hmm. um so and there's also quite honestly some pretty good action set pieces in this movie um and as animation just gets better i think this is something we're going to continue to see is just action animated movies that just have really stunning action i think of like movies like incredibles 2 where i don't i don't like it more than the original but like if you just look based off of the action set piece Mm -hmm. in that movie they're they're stunning and i think that's where we're heading with these these computer animated movies so it was just a really cool movie to see it has been impressive to see how like animation has just exponentially improved absolutely even in the last like seven to eight years it's kind of crazy um just to follow back real quick i looked it up and Spider-Verse did win an Oscar for Best Animated Feature Film so, in 2019. So, yeah. So that, Which that, that doesn't surprise us. No, you know, no. And whether you care about the Oscars or you don't care about the Oscars, um, I do both. So I understand that. Yeah. I think the Oscars are stupid at times or not. But if something wins best, you should probably check it out with the exception of Crash. Don't watch Crash. You don't need to watch Crash. Crash is not good. But other than that, you know, something wins Best Animated Feature, it's worth checking out. And Spider-Verse deserved that rap for sure. So... I'm looking, so I'm looking up the Academy Awards because I, I would imagine this, fil- like, it would show the best animated film, right, on the list, possibly. You better hope so. Let's see, New York Times. Let me let me get down here. Um, animated feature: Encanto, Flea, Luca, Mitchell's versus the Machines, and Raya and the Last Dragon. So it has been nominated for best I'm animated. Very version. surprised, Raya. I got the lo- nod. I heard a lot of people were not very high on that movie yeah I, i've seen luca and Kanto. i haven't seen flea or that what we're, what we're talking about now and i haven't seen Ray. i've heard a lot of good things about flea flea is a letterboxed movie letterboxd is a lot of, in a lot of ways a film bro website and a lot of people have been talking about flea so i'm definitely going to try to check that out hmm. all right so that was our animated movies um, now we're going to move on to some comedies dirks why don't you hit us with your comedy recommendation all righty so uh it may not be seen by everyone strictly as a comedy, but it, I mean, it really kind of is. But I have um, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, the first of the sequels, kind of. It's kind of a sequel. I'm trying to, I guess they do hint back to the original, don't they? Mm-hmm. So I'd call it a sequel. Um, has The Rock, has Kevin Hart, um, Karen Gillan, Jack Black, uh, Nick Jonas, kind of a stellar, cla- uh, stellar cast, excuse me. Um, and. I think they do a good job because I know, like, Kevin Hart specifically um, and just certain actors, Ryan Reynolds has kind of has this problem. Maybe not his fault, but those who, you know, cast him can be, like, just overbearingly, like, too many jokes and, like, all right, you know, we've heard this Making one. Making the same joke yeah. in the movie. But yep. I feel like um, Jumanji did a good job of, like, making it entertaining Um but also like mixing in comedy, which the, you know Jack Black especially and Kevin Hart oh, yeah, are Jack, very good at doing. So Jack I thought it just did a good job of mixing the action and and the um, the chemistry between these four and also some some comedy as well. Yeah, I think the um, I remember I watched this movie in theaters as well. You're gonna hear me say that a lot. Sorry, just get <laughs> used to it. 
um, with with my family, and I remember sitting next to my mother um, when Jack Black started to because Jack Black, if you haven't seen this movie. Well, they get transported into a video game as video game characters. Jack Black is a teenage girl trapped in Jack Black's body, essentially. That's the character that he's playing. Um, and Jack Black has to pee, uh, which is not something you would normally see in a movie unless it's a Tom Hanks movie. Tom Hanks likes to pee in his movies. Look that up if, yeah, you, if you want to check that out. <laughs> um, but Jack Black is just like... I, it's a teenage girl being amazed at how a man pees and it's legitimately the funniest part of the movie and it's solely because Jack Black is an amazing comedy actor and my mother was crying. She was laughing When he so is hard. a guy was able to act so well as someone who's never yeah. experienced that. You know? never, yeah, I, I, to my knowledge, Jack Black has never been a teenage girl but he acted perfectly in yeah. that scene and it was hilarious. It was so funny and that's just this kind of movie. It's just, you know, Jack Black and Kevin Hart just throw on fastballs. And The Rock is also really good because in this movie, he's not playing, you know, just tough former special forces, mm-hmm. yeah. The Rock guy. He is, yeah, I'm this big Jack guy, but I'm this kind of shy, um, you know, to to use kind of, I don't know, this is going to sound mean, but kind of wimpy teenager mm-hmm. that is trapped in this body of a guy who is absolutely not that. So mm-hmm. it's just – it's good performances by all of them. Well, and it's funny, too, because, like, before they get sucked in, Kevin Hart's character is this big, like, tough – he's, like, 6'4", football player, linebacker. And The Rock is, like, this skinny kind of nerd, like, quiet, gets kind of bullied. So then, it, like, in the game it switches to The Rock's the big guy. And now Kevin Hart's, like – he's, like, half the height as his – what he's used to body. So then, like, they get into it and, like – I think at one point, doesn't The Rock, like – push him off the cliff yeah um and like so you have three lives in the movie and uh it, like it shows up an x on your arm and like if you die you fall from the sky and land and of course if you do it three times you like i think probably die forever um sad so yeah that he like they get in a fight and he like pushes him off and just like he falls and dies and then he lands again and he's like you know, still cocky as that big guy, but realizes now he's half the size and strength and just can't yeah. compete with The Rock. It's just funny stuff like that. And The Rock and Kevin Hart, it helps. They're, like, best friends in real life. So, like, you can just tell, like, the chemistry is just really, really good, and it's just well-written, well, well-written uh, movie. I didn't really get my hopes up, but I, when I watched it, I was very – I was kind of pleased with it. So, so I'm going to give you a list of five movies. This one is the first movie. Okay, you have that movie, Rampage. Have you seen Rampage? Yes. Central Intelligence – uh, Hobbs and Shaw and Skyscraper. Which rock movie are you picking? Which one? You got to pick this one, right? Out yeah. of all those? Because I think he's the same in all the other ones. Right, he? exactly. This is like this is the one rock performance, I think, where a studio has actually used him well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sequel, what, what, are, what are your opinions on the sequel to this film? Um, it wasn't as good as this one, but I actually really enjoyed it. I, I, I thought it was, um, it's actually been a long time since I even, um, watched it, so I'm kind of putting it together. Long time, as relatively, because the movie came out in in like 2018. That's but. true. So it's been three years. <laughs> or, yeah. So I'm still trying to put it back together. Um, 2019. My bad. So I I actually liked it. I thought it was entertaining. Um, it wasn't as good as the first one, but I thought they did a pretty good job of following it up. The second movie's, I feel like usually a second movie in a trilogy or in a two movie thing. Second movie's usually never as good. Except for you know the obvious Empire Strikes Back, Dark Knight. Yeah. Um, too. Yeah. But I thought they did a good job of following up a pretty popular 
Jumanji one movie. So I don't. I mean, what do you think? Uh, I like both of them. I think that, like I said, this is the best use of of The Rock. Um, and uh, I don't. I don't know why studios don't do this more. I think he's a better comedy actor, but he's a better comedy actor when he's allowed to be somebody other than himself. Mm-hmm. He can't just play his WWE character in every film, and that's what he's doing right now. That's yeah. what Red Notice is. But you know, give him give him something like this. Give him something a little outside of the box with comedy, and let him just play off the other people, and and just w- sit back and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So, well, I feel like that's what studios have done a good job with uh, Dave Bautista. Is like, Absolutely. honestly, in a different situation, you may see him and be like, this guy's not a good actor. He's really cheesy. But like, uh, kind of the people in charge of Marvel and those directors involved, like, put him in a pretty good situation and. Yeah. Uh, the character for him, like I thought, f- fits him perfectly. When we're they're probably the same actor, talent-wise, but you Maybe, know, yeah. Dave Bautista has just been put in much better situations and has performed well with those. I mean, all you got to do is is look at what James Gunn is doing with John Cena right now on the Peacemaker show, and maybe just give every former wrestler that comes out to be an actor, just give him to James Gunn and let him just let him take it. He did great with Drax. That's true. He, he did. Yeah. He did great with with John Cena. So Rock, sign up for a James Gunn movie. Yeah. And I promise you, everybody will say, "Oh my gosh, The Rock is actually really good." Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, something else. Nick Jonas, Loki can act. And, yeah, a little. Uh, he's got a little. He's got a little chops. Yeah, and it, of course it might be similar too. In any other situation, <laughs> it might be like this guy shouldn't be in a movie. Yeah, but it wasn't they might great have written on it. Disney Channel. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> they might have written it pretty good for him. Uh, just let's see, uh, Jake Kasdan. He's the guy that is um, stuck. He's the one that's been trapped in the game forever. Spent his first two lives, and he's afraid to go out and do anything because if he loses his third life, he dies and never gets to go see his kids again. Gotcha. I believe. So he really. I mean, he's done Bad Teacher. Other than that, like I don't know Orange County or Zero Effect. I don't, sex tape I've heard of, but like yeah. Besides that, it's like this guy's not done much, and he, what he's done has not been very <laughs> not been very good. No, not been very good. So this is I was impressed by these two movies that for him to get that cast together and to to you know put on the screen what he did. I was impressed. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm gonna go with mine now. Mine. Um, I looked through this list originally and had different movies here, but I realized that we were skewing to movies released in the last five to six years. Um, Recency bias. So yeah, I didn't want to didn't want to put it out. So I'm going to put out a movie from my childhood that I saw way too early on, um, and it's it's my cousin Vinny. Um, those of you over the age of probably 25 should recognize this movie. My cousin Vinny is uh, just a tour de force from Joe Pesci and Marissa Tomei. It is a comedy about a big city lawyer who goes down to rural Alabama to try to help his cousin get out of a murder charge that he had nothing to do with. Um, and he's dealing, it's, you know, it's classic fish out of water story, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, it's Joe Pesci and it, not Goodfellas Joe Pesci. He's not <laughs> quite that obscene, but it is, you know, it's Joe Pesci yeah. and he's in this, you know, town of Southern politeness and he, he wears leather all the time and he hates mud and he gets <laughs> in bar fights and it's just, it's fantastic. I'm a sucker for a, a courtroom movie. I don't know about anybody else. I love a good courtroom you movie. Can't Exactly. (laughs) A Few Good Men is one of my favorite movies of all time. And my cousin Vinny is just, you know, Marissa Tomei actually won Best Actress for this. Yeah, I was going to mention that, yeah. Which is very controversial. um, But I I challenge you to watch the scene where she's describing, I can't even, I can't even repeat it. I know people have memorized this scene. She's an expert on cars um, because her entire family worked in mechanic shops. But 
he's asking her, he calls her as a witness and the other lawyer tries to ask her a trick question and just watching her for like 45 seconds, just spout out all the ignition times mm. for the Chevy Cavalier or whatever the heck she's talking about. It, it's probably some of the best just one person seeing like monologue I've ever seen in my life. She is so charismatic and Joe Pesci is so great playing off her. They have a dynamic relationship in this movie. Uh, it's just, it's so much fun. I love this movie to death. Yeah, honestly, I hardly remember this movie, so I probably can't um, give much input. But, I mean, seeing it, like, kind of flashing back, and also you talking about it, I really, really, like, probably will watch this this week again. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's on HBO Max um, if if anybody is interested in, in checking it out. And I watched this for the first time. I would not recommend doing it this way, but I watched it on, actually, television at my grandparents' house because uh, the movie came out in 92 um, and that's so it's older than me, obviously. <laughs> um, but I watched it on like basic cable, so they had the curse words edited out. Um, here's here's a tip: if you're gonna watch a Joe Pesci movie, probably don't want to watch it on cable because uh, you're not gonna understand it. Because uh, Joe Pesci likes to he likes to say some of the words that are not the Lord's favorites. Yes. Okay, unless so, you're in Home Alone, then he so unless you're in Home Alone, out for him. <laughs> yeah, unless you're in Home Alone, and they must have done four quadrillion takes to try not to get Joe Pesci to say the f word every sentence. But actually, it's fantastic. Wasn't there something where he actually said it and they edited, it, or did he like? I'm pretty sure there's a, one instance in Home Alone where he said it and his mouth clearly says that, but they re-recorded something else over it. Um, but my cousin Vinny. If you like courtroom movies, you'll love it. If you like good movies, that's something my dad always says. If you like good movies, you'll like this movie. So so then if you don't like this movie, you don't like good movies. Yeah, I mean, yeah, don't take it from me. I guess me. everyone has personal father. taste, but I think <laughs> usually most movies are like, this is generally just a good movie. Right. Well, I think you're that way with like Joker. Like you don't like it, but you recognize this is a well-done movie. Absolutely, you know? yeah. Uh, I don't like Joker, and the reason I don't like Joker is because I've seen Taxi Driver and King of Comedy, and... Joker is just a worse version of those. But I recognize Joaquin Phoenix is very good in that movie. So, yeah. But My Cousin Vinny, uh, if you like, this is also just an easy, breezy, like most comedies are, obviously. But it's it's two hours, but it's like a nice, easy two-hour movie. Um, There's not a lot of heavy stuff in it. It's not going to try to get you in your feels, but you're going to laugh out loud if you've never seen this movie before. And I still laugh out loud at it all the time. It's just one of those... One of those movies where you talk about, and it's also very quotable. Um, just be careful where you're quoting it. <laughs> uh, but, it but it is very quotable. So it's a movie, you, it's a rewatchable movie. You can watch it many times. So My Cousin Vinny, if you haven't seen that, go ahead and see it. Add it to the list. Yeah, Come add on. It, add it to the dang list. Come on. Put it on your watch list and Letterboxd and let us know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. By <laughs> the way, go get Letterboxd. <laughs> it's Letterboxd and then there's a D at the end. Three circles. It's good. It's uh. It's I don't know it's it's like a social you can follow people they can follow you it's, you can review yeah you can have a watch list you can have a liked list it's I don't know it's hard to explain but there's it, just a lot you it's can like do. the opposite of Twitter film discourse so if you get all your film stuff film discussions from Twitter and you're tired of well Twitter <laughs> get on Letterboxd um, yeah. we are we're not sponsored by Letterboxd we just we just really like it I so. think we should be though yeah we could. We'll see what we can do. I'll swing it. Maybe you know five of the <laughs> five of the one of the six people listening to this will uh, be like, "Hey, yeah. this this guy works yeah. for Letterboxd." Maybe our parents can hook us up. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So we got sci-fi fantasy up next. What do you got? What do you got for us, Dirks? Um, I put a recent film. <laughs> it happens, but uh, Thor Ragnarok. Um, one 
you know, I'll, I'll say it. I think it's a top five, top at least top seven uh, Marvel film. Um, I think it was just incredibly well done. Um, I myself really appreciate Jeff Goldblum's performance. Um, <laughs> I don't think he was acting. I think that's just actually him. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't. Was this nominated for? No, it wasn't nominated anything Academy Awards wise. But just the cinematography and. Um, Man, I just really enjoyed everything about it. Um, Tessa Thompson did a great job. Tom Hiddleston and Chris Rimmers always do just a magnificent job. Uh, and then Kate Blanchett as well. And there's just so many. Um, it's a 3.9 on Letterboxd. Um, I just... Also, like I feel like some people didn't appreciate... like They thought it was too comedic at times. Mm-hmm. Um, which I can kind of understand that. Um, but... I if it's I don't think it's too much if it's funny if that makes sense right it's not sometimes in Marvel movies you feel like they're really just trying to hit that like the formula of they're just like we got to do we got to do the comedy now because we just hit something a little too serious for maybe general audiences so we got to try to hit it with comedy but that's mm-hmm. not what Thor Ragnarok feels like no no and specifically in this one Mark Ruffalo and Chris Hemsworth are just so good together um, they're just kind of funny uh, back and forth and I'm trying to remember. Is it Korg? Yes. Korg. The just, the scene stealer. Yes. Yes. Beautiful job. Uh he's just so funny. Yep. Um I try to quote him, but I just it's never as good as what he like <laughs> what uh, uh Taika Watiti. Taika Watiti, director. the director yeah. of the film did. That's actually really funny. I didn't know that. You learned something new. <laughs> um so yeah, this is yeah, it's fun. It's on Disney Plus, as you could probably assume, Marvel movie. Um but no, it's really, really good. Hundred and thirty one minutes, so it's a little long, but I I completely think it's worth it. I gave it a four and a half out of five. Nathan gave it a four out of five. Um, so again, one of those that's pretty like university, universally kind of well liked. Mm-hmm. Especially coming off of uh, the first two Thor movies. <laughs> uh, what what are your thoughts on the first two? I know you just recently rewatched the entire MCU. Yes. Um, during the summer, what are your thoughts on those first two Thor movies? Um, I liked the first one. I think for. Like, because Thor one was their very first like, we're leaving Earth. Yes. Like Iron Man was like, okay, this is kind of realistic. Someone could do this in some capacity. It's on Earth, you know. And it was kind of like that up until Thor, where it's like, oh, we're in space and we're flying through this portal and stuff like that. So, for it being the very first one, which is tough to do, I thought it was good. It was kind of cheesy. Um, you know, they're like suits. Like mm-hmm. you know, in the new one, the suits are nice and tight and they look slick. But in that first one, it's like kind of. It's a little Shakespearean, I would say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so it's not – it's number two, obviously, because the second one – well, the second one disappoints me because those elves were kind of sick. <laughs> I really enjoyed the the antagonist of that film, but it was just really kind of weird. I think it was just about him being in love with a girl on Earth and then – Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's just, it was kind of weird what happened with that one, a second movie of – and that it wasn't as the best. But mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think of those first two? Um, I would say I, I think I, I would agree with you. The first one, I think it I think they were trying to do a lot, and I think they had a lot to do because um, it's not grounded a grounded story compared to the rest of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't I don't hate it, but I I, I don't love it either. I think that um, I think I commented this on Letterbox when I watched it last time, but like Anthony Hopkins um, was absolutely just chewing every single scene possible as Odin, like. I think someone forgot to tell him that it was just a Marvel movie because dude was talking like um, it was not a Marvel movie, but like 
you know, he was just, he was there to try to win an Oscar. Mm -hmm. Cause he was, he just showed up, collected his paycheck. And then he was like, all right, I'm just going to act the heck out of every scene that I'm in right now. And you're going to be like, oh my God, Sir Anthony Hopkins, I respect you, please. Like, this is the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Um, But I think in the second one, you know, uh, there were just a lot of things. They were trying to connect a lot of things, try to build off of what Thor was from, Mm -hmm. from the Avengers movie. And I just don't, I just don't think it worked, you know? Um, I don't think it was fleshed out. And I think that some of it got redeemed and what happened, the arc of Endgame kind of helped it a little bit. But mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'll ask you this. And by the way, I, Thor Ragnarok is five on my list of Marvel movies um, behind Guardians of the Galaxy, Endgame, Far From Home, and Infinity War. But that might be another episode, another time. <laughs> um, what do you think? I've I've talked to people who think like the first two movies are wasted because – like, why would you hold the most powerful, you know, being in the universe back until the third movie? So do you think that's more of a character development? Or you think the Marvel writers, like, kind of messed up in that he's been alive for thousands of years? Why did it take to the third movie for him to find his power without the hammer? Um, I think it was I think it was a little character development. I think that also they had to um, – they had to give us Mjolnir uh, or Meow Meow as um, – <laughs> Gosh, I cannot remember her name now in the movie. Which no, is, I think you just made that up. No, I did not. <laughs> I did not make it. Darcy, yeah, Kat Dennings' character. Darcy calls it meow meow. Um, <laughs> but I think they had to because that's such an iconic thing. But I think that in the third movie, yes, they um, they did a great job of building off of the first two. I think Thor is not the problem in the first two himself. I think that they should have just clearly leaned into the comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, th- clearly, they didn't really look at what they had with Chris Hemsworth and. Um, they let him do some comedic stuff, but really it was all of the jokes were like, haha, he's not used to what it's like to be on earth. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't this funny? Um, but like they should have leaned into his comedy more cause he, he is great. He's mm-hmm. a great comedic actor. And I think that that's what un- they unlock in the third one. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just more fun. The first two Thor movies are like, just, they're kind of dark and kind of gloomy and like yeah. about deep stuff. And like the third Especially one is the second one. Yeah. The third one is about that, but it's just like the, Taika Waititi's like, I'm just going to make, this is going to be fun. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and that's what it is. Well, especially like Tom Hiddleston and Chris Hemworth's relationship together makes that, they found that's really funny in the third one, just their back and forth, their mm-hmm. banter. Um, and then again, I'll mention again, Jeff Goldblum is just really funny. You know, what does this stick do? And then he melts a person. He's <laughs> like, oh, I stepped in it. Like, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, Jeff Goldblum's hilarious. so funny. And it, honestly, he's kind of like that in the show, normal shows I've watched. So that might've just literally been, maybe Waititi was like, hey, just be yourself. <laughs> yeah, you just know? be Jeff Goldblum. We're not even going to write you lines. We're just going to just have you be Jeff yeah. Goldblum. So, yep. I really enjoyed it. Um, definitely one of those I could watch pretty frequently again. Just enjoy the cinematography and the acting and the comedy. So that's my uh, sci-fi fantasy pick. All right. Uh, mine uh, um, is a extremely different tone mm-hmm. from from David's I think possibly at the complete other end of the sci-fi fantasy spectrum almost and it is Denis Villeneuve's Arrival from 2016 so um, good this is this is a film that'll make you think um, what I said about My Cousin Vinny it being a film you can just turn on and kind of turn your brain off and just laugh that's that's not Arrival um, so if you're if you're not looking for something a little heavy um, probably probably don't watch Arrival but this is um, Denis Villeneuve's just epic sci-fi tale based on a Ted Chiang novel, the story of your life. Um, and it's just, 
it's it's a movie that keeps you guessing until the end mm-hmm. and once you figure out what's going on you want to rewatch it immediately to mm-hmm. see all the hints and stuff yeah. um amy adams who i believe is one of the best actresses that we've had in the last 25 years um is just throwing haymakers out here she is just amazing in this performance um she is a what, what, what is technically her title? She's a linguist. Yeah, she's a linguist. Yeah. I don't know why I couldn't think of that. <laughs> um, but essentially what, the, what happens in the movie is like aliens invade, but not in the typical like Independence Day, we just blew up the White House, uh, aliens invade way. There's like just these giant like just, you know, Denis Villeneuve looking uh, ships that like land at separate points on the earth and they're trying to figure out what's going on and like tensions are high around the world because it seems like the aliens are working with some people and there might be a war and they might have the aliens are either trying to help them or hurt them but nobody really knows which and governments are not communicating uh but it's just it's an epic tale but it's it's condensed into just the life of uh, really just one person and the story through their eyes of what this invasion is and how she's working um it's got the classic hallmarks of a Villeneuve film. I mean, it's visually stunning. Cinematography mm. is great. The CGI Beautiful. is seamless with what he's doing. It, it, the score, the music in it is one of the most memorable parts. Um, I think my favorite, my favorite part of the film, my favorite use of music maybe in the last like six or seven years is the Max Richter song that they use in this on the nature of daylight. Mm. Uh, it plays a couple of times, but it plays at the end of this film and it's such an emotional I just, just got chills <laughs> hitting melody yeah it's just it's so great this mm-hmm. movie does have um it's a movie that you don't want to know the end of going into it um yeah. you need to experience this for the first time so I, I don't really want to get into plot of mm-hmm. what happens at all just know that the performances are great it's well written and uh it's just if you're looking for sci-fi but you don't really want a star wars sci-fi or like a thor ragnarok mm-hmm. sci-fi not that there's anything wrong with that but you want a little different something a little a little more grounded to earth a little bit trying to be a little bit more realistic and not like these epic depictions of space battles Mm -hmm. this is your kind of movie and i would highly highly recommend it dirks what was your reaction the first time you saw this um honestly if i'm remembering correctly like i kind of sat there for like five or ten seconds and like didn't say anything like i think i watched this by myself the first time and i like just sat there in my bed and was like like trying to understand um like you mentioned the score, like anytime I listen to that um, song, like you, it, this mood kind of hits you and like the movie kind of starts to flash. Like it's, I don't know if anybody's experienced this, but like a certain like song that can like connect to you in a way. Mm-hmm. Like every time this plays, I get like chills and like I think of the end of this film because um, it's just, man, it was so good. I gave this a perfect five, um, which may be a little much, um, but um, this is one of, I think actually, let me, while I'm kind of explaining here, I think this is in my top like 15 favorite movies, um, that I've watched. Yeah. I have this actually at nine. Um, I just recently moved it up after remembering it, the music and all that stuff. Um, really, really beautiful. Uh, Jeremy Renner's also in it. He's Hawkeye. And then, um, Forrest Whitaker, uh, in it. those three are the kind of the main and mm-hmm. the most prominent actors. Um, but also I really in- just enjoyed it because it's like not like any other alien invasion movie you've seen. Like I feel like most of them are pretty consistently the same. Yeah. Of they're a threat, you fight them back. Or they're perceived as a threat, we attack and they fight back. Yeah. But like he just, Denis just completely did a different twist on this. Um, 
and really, I, it's a beautiful film, um, one of a kind. So, highly recommend. Uh, where, where where can you watch this? Um, this movie is available, I believe, on Hulu and Paramount Plus. So, if you have either one of those, um, you can watch it there. Uh, just quick quick aside, because Denis Villeneuve um, actually has a movie up for Best Picture this year. Um, that is his other sci-fi mm. and fantasy epic Dune, mm. um, which both of us, we watched together in theaters and were blown away. And then watched it again together movie. at home. <laughs> yeah, and then watched it again um, because that's how good Dune is. Mm-hmm. Um, and he actually, notably, Dune is nominated. I want to look at how many categories because I was reading through it this morning and everything dune oscars let me see let me I, see if i can find it it's a lot of them um dune is nominated in 10 categories Denis oh. villeneuve has not been nominated for best director um and i would i would like to take a moment to talk to the academy people that are for sure not listening to this podcast and say how do you nominate a film for 10 oscars and say it's a complete and total achievement front to back from everything to score screenplay cinematography sound editing design and then not give the director the nod for best director. Mm-hmm. Uh, fix yourself. Figure yeah. it out. Um, that's interesting. Like, I understand a Steven Spielberg film. I'm sure that's probably, however you feel about musicals, that's probably well done. Power of the Dog was good. It was yes. unique. I've not seen Licorice Pizza. That probably Paul Thomas Anderson, though. I love Licorice Pizza. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I've not seen Drive My Car or Belfast, but that's just interesting that you nominate a movie in every single category that the director was in charge of, but then not give him that nomination yeah. as best director. Um, so fix your crime. Uh, and if you if you need any more reason to go watch Arrival, if you've seen Dune and you think Dune's really good, both of us think Arrival is better than Dune. Yeah. Um, and I love Dune. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but both of us think Arrival is better. So well, and you should go watch it. Arrival won Best Achievement in Sound Editing as an Oscar. And it was nominated in Best Motion Picture of the Year, Best Achievement in Directing. He mm-hmm. did get it there. Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Achievement in Cinematography, Best Achievement in Film Editing, Best Achievement in Sound Mixing, and then Best Achievement in Production Design. So that um, one, two, three, four, five, six. That one, one of eight, but still yeah. to be even nominated is still impressive. So There's, there's, few, um, there's few directors that are appointment viewing without being a part of IP. And Dune... Dune is obviously IP, and actually so is Blade Runner. Um, but whenever Denis Villeneuve makes a movie and you see directed by Denis Villeneuve, that's like, you go watch it. Mm-hmm. Go watch the movie. Um, and Arrival fits into that category of like, he's just appointment viewing. Whenever you see Denis Villeneuve made a movie and you're like, oh, I haven't seen that yet, you should, you should go watch it. Yeah. Um, that's the same thing I would tell you if Paul Thomas Anderson released a movie. Uh, he's on that level for me. If Denis Villeneuve drops a movie... You need to go see it because it's probably even if you don't absolutely love it, it's going to be mm-hmm. something you want to talk about with other people. So who, who if you had to list the directors where it's like they dropped a movie, you need to spend money to watch this. Who would fall into that? So you, you just mentioned, obviously. Yeah, I'm picking I'm picking up those two. Jordan Peele would be another one um, just based off of his first two films right now. I think I would probably put put Jordan Peele right there. And then uh, for me, actually. Ooh, this is tough. I mean, we Let's have the classics. So you have two more. Okay. You have two more. I have two more. Okay. Which is very tough. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Because I just thought of three in my head that haven't been listed. Um, I think I, we're at the tail end of it, but Tarantino, mm-hmm. I will still put in there. Okay. Um, Scorsese, I will also mm-hmm. also put in there. Um, and then I actually, um, she has only really directed one feature um, that I really liked. 
but she's written a lot of others. Um, Greta Gerwig. Uh, anytime Greta Gerwig is going to make a movie, Greta Gerwig's involved with a movie. I, somebody, sh- somebody just whispers the name Greta Gerwig <laughs> within a, a half mile radius of me. I am. I'm going to go watch that. So Greta Gerwig uh, wrote um, Lady Bird, wrote and directed Little Women. Um, also co-wrote uh, Francis Ha and with Noah Baumbach. Um, she's involved in an upcoming Noah Baumbach movie called White Noise, which I've been hearing a lot of people talk about, and mm. I'm. Um, extremely excited to watch that, uh, but I think she would be she would be. One she's of very the ones. young. Yes. She only has four movies. Yes, she is. She is extremely young, but she is extremely talented. Um, so if she the next time she t- says that she's directing another movie or it gets released that she's directing another movie, um, Nathan Nathan will be there. Nathan mm. will be in attendance. Mm. So. Um, oh, she did direct Lady Bird. I thought she did. So she's directed Lady Bird and Little Women, two movies that I already love. Um, and she's got a Barbie movie announced, actually. Yeah, I saw that. Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie are <sighs> cast so far. There. So we're there. So we're there. Yeah. We're you there. hear those two? <laughs> I'll probably watch that one, actually. Yeah, we're there. Um, yeah, so those, those were our sci-fi um, picks. Again, uh, Thor Ragnarok available on Disney+. Plus. And Arrival available on Hulu and Paramount Plus. I'm not even joking. I'm gonna watch Arrival this week if I can. Like I want to rewatch that. <laughs> you have you've added a lot of movies to your list. That's two. You already you said you were watching My Cousin Vinny too. So I know, but that Arrival might top the list because I'm kind of in that mood to be like sad, but also like whoa, you know? Yeah. So so that even makes sense. Watch, go watch Arrival. Um, up next, uh, we have the horror category, um, a category Dirks and I both find near and dear to our hearts. Mm. Um, I think. Probably the movie we most common watch together late at night is a horror movie, mm-hmm. just because those are more fun. Even though some of us get a little bit more scared than others, dude. I don't. Uh, I don't know why I watch them. Because <laughs> I'm like, dude, this movie looks sick. I'll be freaked out. This will be fun, and then I get into it. I'm like, why and why the am heck I did this? I choose this? And then you get out of it, and then at the end, you're like, I want to do that again. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. So, so what what was your horror movie, Dirks? Um, it was like super. The problem I had with these lists, I feel like I was just picking the popular ones, but I really feel like this is one of the better ones that's been made, A Quiet Place, um, because of how different it is um, from any horror movie you've seen. Um, I just think the idea is just beautiful, how just literally just being quiet, in that, in that, and if you've seen the movie, you know, yeah. can be just how suspenseful and how terrifying that can be. Just even the lack of noise is like pretty terrifying. Um, Emily Blunt, John Krasinski star in this. They're actually married in real life, but um, John Krasinski, as most of you know, uh, is Jim in The Office and yep. um, plays a very different the role TV show. In yeah, this, in this one. and Emily Blunt's in many, many um, movies. Honestly, I'd say up there with uh, Amy Adams. She's just been in countless movies that have yeah, been. Emily Blunt is great. Very, very Im- impressive. Devil Wears Prado, Sicario, Edge of Tomorrow, Looper, yeah. Jungle Cruise. I enjoyed. I haven't seen Mary Poppins. I mean, just so many. Um, she's been a part of, so I, I mean, I thought this was terrifying again, just like the lack of sound, like everybody else uses, I feel like visuals. So f- like for the the majority, it's like jump scares visually is going to scare you. Mm-hmm. But like for the first time, John is like, was like, how can we make this different? And it's still some visual jumps, but like, it's all just by hearing and that, and like using that sense to freak you out. And it worked. Mm-hmm. So this is like. This movie is just a very unique experience in that most of the movie is quiet, but it's not a silent film. 
Um, and when they do use sound, they use loud, like loud progressive sounds. They're shocking and they come at perfect moments. Um, this was nominated for best achievement in sound editing at the Oscars. It uh, did not win, um, but it was nominated. I, this is just a holy, this is a movie that's just a wholly different experience from any horror movie you've mm-hmm. probably seen. Yeah. Um, just the way that they use, you know, it's quiet. It's a quiet place. The, the monsters in the movie, um, aliens actually, another alien movie, mm-hmm. uh, uh, they, they react to sound they don't they can't see um i don't think they can smell based off what we see in the movie so they react solely on sound so you have to be quiet there these people are walking barefoot on sand everywhere um they have like a whole rig set up to to you know make sure that a baby um crying will not disturb because oh yeah emily blunt, emily blunt gives birth in gives this birth. movie imagine having to give birth in a world where if you make sound you could possibly just be killed at any second mm-hmm. um this term is thrown around a lot for a lot of different movie characters, um, but I'm just going to say Emily Blunt in this movie, her character Evelyn Abbott, is a badass. Yeah. This woman is one of the most badass women I've seen in movies. Not badass women, actually. Badass, period. Yeah. Any character I've seen in movies in the past 10 years. She, I mean, she's giving birth um, in a time when th- this is not conducive to raising children. Mm-hmm. And she's out here, the matriarch of a family, Two other kids. protecting her kids. She's trying to, she's trying to help her other. Ki- it's just mm-hmm. this movie is just amazing. Well, and her a, character is just amazing. There's a point, I guess, technically in real time. It's like three days before she gives birth. She's like holding like a twelve gauge while like, you know, eight eight <laughs> and three quarter months pregnant. You know, it's yeah. like this is just sick. Yeah, it's this movie is um, this movie is insane. And the one thing I do want to talk about, I want to hit on um, Millicent Simmons who is the actress that mm. plays Reagan. Yeah. Um, Millicent in real life is, is deaf, um, like her character in the movie. Um, and the, just the way that they use her character and the way that they use sign language in this film um, is just, it's genius. This is one of the strongest child actor performances. She was, um, I believe, 15 when this, when this movie came out. Yeah, born mm. in, in 2003, 15. Um, one of the best child performances I've seen in a long time. Child, obviously, she's 15. She's not actually that much younger than I am. She's only three years younger than me. But she was just, she's oh, amazing. Yeah. She's just amazing in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, you know, some movies, you know, rely a lot on dialogue and the actors, the way that they say things to evoke emotion from the audience. And she literally couldn't do that. And her, <laughs> her facial expressions and just her relationship with John Krasinski's character in this movie are just, they're, they're breathtaking. Yeah. She is great in mm-hmm. this film. Well, I think even because of because of not I mean, because of being deaf, I think John did an incredible job with that too. Like the way he was able to use his face, and I would imagine they all had to. I would imagine there's maybe even a t- someone that had to teach them that. Yeah. That whole family of how to be able to use your faces, um, because, I mean, yeah, it's impressive if you can be a good actor with a good script that someone else has written for you, but in this situation, like she literally can't talk and. <laughs> You're either a good actor, or you're not in this situation. Like, and she was able to perform well, and she's amazing. Um, she did a she did a very good job. Can, can I? T- I want to talk sp- uh, very very briefly about the second movie. Okay, but it, I don't think it should give anything away. Um, just kind of a one of the like the climaxes of this of the second movie because there is a second movie, and I feel like most people should know that. Yep. Um, it like at one point it goes from like current events, and it's like quiet to before. This happens, and mm-hmm. as you could see in the trailer, like it, 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 you see, oh, they're gonna explain how this happened. So like, there's a scene where it's like quiet, and then it flashes back to as it's happening. It's super, super loud, super loud, 
No, no, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm wrong. It's between Mili- uh, Millis- uh, Millicent uh, Simmons in the flashback. Yes. So she, it's like really, really Everything's loud, really quiet, loud. and then you see it from her dad's perspective where he can hear everything yeah. that's happening. And then it goes back to her, and it's quiet immediately. Such and it's back to being loud and people screaming and cars, and it's back to her. It's quiet. It's like that scene just blew me away. How I was like, you're just like overstimulated, but you're like, this is inc- this is crazy. Um, I think that with um, and Jordan Peele did this to, I believe, uh, a greater extent. But um, hey, if the if the guy is experienced in comedy but wants to direct a horror kind of movie, let him. <laughs> um, John Krasinski, you know, directing this movie, Jordan Peele, Get Out, and Us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of comedy is about timing and, and about knowing how to get the audience where you want them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this this is just, this movie is just a great performance by John as a as a director. And, you know, I think that John Krasinski could, could become one of those appointment viewing guys. He's got a movie upcoming. Uh, a list on IMDb if releasing in 2023 mm. the stars are him uh, Ryan Reynolds and Steve Carell probably going to be a comedy Please. based off of that cast uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is also rumored to be in this movie <laughs> um, so so but that's that's going to be a movie where it's John Krasinski with um, and he's written it and he's directing and that's it again my watch list so, that's yeah. going to be so, so there you go. good there you go so a quiet place uh, where can you watch this Dirks Oh, let me see. Uh, this is Paramount, Amazon, or Hulu with a premium subscription. So it's not ideal. I would imagine on Amazon, you're probably going to have to rent it. But like I said earlier, man, if dad is paying, for, <laughs> if dad's paying for Prime, uh, just rent it for three bucks and then text him and be like, "Hey, sorry, I rented a movie. I can pay you back if you want to." Yeah, it's three ninety nine to rent. Yeah, for sure. Put the "if you want to" at the end of that message um, because most of the time the parents will say, "Oh no, it's all good." Um, Actually, so yeah, the first one's three ninety nine. The second one's two ninety nine to rent. It's huh. interesting, but both both are very good. I highly recommend both of them. I think the the first one. Mm, I don't know actually. Do you think the first or second one's better? I um I think when I watched the second one in theaters, I thought it was better. But now thinking back on it, I think the first one is better. Um, and it's just it's the way that like it's hard to build off of the, just the revolutionary movie you have. Yeah, you know, like when you first go into that, you're like, I don't know what this is about. Kind yeah, of thing, you know, I've just never walked. I've just never watched a movie where I I was like a hundred percent sure that the speakers on my TV just were not working. I didn't mm-hmm. get the privilege to see the first one in theaters either, which is I think. I'm very upset about that. Yeah. I feel like that would have been a great theater experience. But the second one, I did get the privilege to see it in theater. So Yeah, on IMD, on Letterboxd, uh, Quiet Place is a 3.7. Quiet Place 2 is a 3.6. Which for a horror movie is actually very good. Horror movies are... Anything over a 3, I found with a horror movie is pretty good. Horror and comedy are the movies that are the most subjective and depends on the viewer, I think. Mm-hmm. so. Yeah. And I'll just say it now. Keelan Murphy's in the second one, and I really... Really love Big Killian Murphy. Blinders guy over yeah. here. Man, his haircut. Um, <laughs> but right. just Inception, Dark Knight, Dunkirk, Dark Knight, right? I mean, he's just, he's at 28 Days Later, uh, Tron, which, you know, it's entertaining. Maybe not be the best movie, but it's, uh, it's really fun to watch. But we spent a lot of time on that. What's your movie? Um, so mine may be as tiny, it's this tiny little indie film that you may have heard of. I don't um, think anybody was, was kind of popular in the early 70s. It's this little movie called The Exorcist. <laughs> Um, The Exorcist, of course, the, one of the most famous horror movies of all time. Um, I looked up the gross for The Exorcist, which um, this would just not happen today um, because that just the way that 
the way that the world works. Mm-hmm. And and that's not a critique necessarily. I don't I think everybody rails against Marvel and the and the MCU and Disney and the IP movies and stuff, but a movie like The Exorcist is not making as much money as it did in 1973. Um it made 441 million dollars in in 1973. Is there a way to ca- And I'm going to adjust that, that for inflation. Okay, yeah. And that means this movie would have made over 1 billion dollars. Um wow. At the box office. Um, so Wait, opening weekend or total grossing? Total, total grossing. Over a billion. So it's a billion dollar horror movie, um, which does not happen. But if you haven't seen The Exorcist yet um, and you've watched any other horror movies in your life, what are you doing? Uh, the Exorcist is still, for my money, one of the three greatest horror movies of all time. I don't know why I said three because I don't have the other two on top of my head. <laughs> um, but The Exorcist is, is fantastic. I like Midsummer. I don't know if it's that. Um, but directed by William Friedkin, um, based off of the popular novel, which was then adapted to the screen. Um, you know, it's, it's a story that's been retold many, many times, you know, uh, young girl, um, gets possessed by a demon. That's, it's pretty basic. Um, you know, but it's so, it's so effective in in what it does. It's, um, it's terrifying. I just recently listened to a, a another podcast. I don't know if I'm supposed to pimp out other podcasts on this podcast, but I'm going to do it anyway. Villains uh, put on by the ringer Shea Serrano, and he, he was just going through a list of like iconic movie villains, and one of them was Reagan McNeil, the girl from The Exorcist. And he was talking about why it was scary. And like as a kid, it's scary because you think, holy crap, this could happen to me. Like I could be this little girl that gets mm-hmm. possessed. Yeah. But then as you grow up, you like think about – and this isn't even – in my life, but it will eventually become true of like, you think about like, Oh my God, what if I was the parent and this happened? Mm. Like, what do you do at this point? Yeah. Um, and this little girl is, is possessed by the demon Pazuzu, Pazuzu just out here. Um, just killing people essentially actually Mm -hmm. is responsible for the death of three people. I believe in this movie. Um, at least. Yeah. But this movie's great. It's got the iconic pea soup, the head turn, the, all the things that I'm not going to say on this podcast because mm-hmm. the they're pretty terrible. Um, it's one of the most iconic, like, behind-the-scenes movies you'll ever hear of. One time that it couldn't work because the set just caught on fire. A uh, famously cursed movie. There was a lot of uh, – which I think built the hype of it. Like, a lot of people saw that, you know, this movie was cursed mm-hmm. by the devil and people didn't want to get, two get pe- made. Two people passed away after this had come out. Yeah, fire yeah. caught on the set. You know, it's just like a lot of, there's a lot of, the behind the scenes of this movie is almost as interesting as this movie. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it may not scare you as much as some modern horror movies. It's not advanced in CGI, you know, but like the chilling story and the possession is just so well done. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's the 70s, so practical effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got great performances. Um, you know, Jason Miller's Father Karras is fantastic. Max von Sydow, which a person of Seventh Seal fame, he's Father Marin. Um, they actually, I believe he was only in his forties when they filmed this, but as father Marin, he's like a priest that's like at the end of his life, essentially. He's like seventies mm. and eighties. They aged him up in this movie and wow. you can't tell. No, like, actually, I didn't, I just found that didn't out. Didn't I didn't know that know. watching it. Yeah. Um, but this movie is just, it's, it's everything horror should be. And it kind of, I think we talk a lot about movies that made the modern movie, you know, mm-hmm. this, this movie, everybody tried to repeat it. That's mm-hmm. true for the exorcist. Yeah. It like. There's something wrong with the kid movie is a popular movie um, from from this point on, you know, Mm -hmm. and The Exorcist is is one of the pioneers of that. It's it's one of the greatest horror movies of all time. I have it as a five out of five Um, for my money. It's the best horror movie I think I've probably ever seen. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not the scariest. I'll admit that. But just 
the way the just care and consideration that goes into everything mm. in this movie it's yeah. just it's fantastic it's rated yeah. as a four uh, out of letterboxd we just rec- dirks and i actually just recently watched it on a trip me with, for the first time with some friends him for the first I had time i've never seen it i watched it uh by myself when i was um i believe like 15 Yikes. um Probably not a good move on my <laughs> part. Um, but there's some stuff that people may see as corny in this movie, but like that's iconic. I think if you if you want to understand horror movies, if you if you have any sort of love for horror movies, you need to watch The Exorcist. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it'll scare the pants off of some people. I know mm-hmm. I know a lot of the people we were on the trip with that watched it for the first time not have a fun time going to bed right after we watch that movie. I can tell you that. No, it definitely messes with you. And like you mentioned, like, okay, as a kid, this might happen as a parent this might happen i feel like there's also a third option like kind of where i was watching it the first time is like like spiritually like it makes you think like okay how real is this like possibility mm-hmm. you know like what am i tapping into like this is kind of spooky you know and like um so then that's like a whole nother thing that you can kind of get into but yeah i thought um very well done it's one of those movies for me that was like hard to rate because i was like this movie was actually just messed up you know, mm-hmm. but also I was like, no, this, I mean, it was well done. And do you, I'm trying to remember what she, well, do you want to talk about that as far as what she mixed for her, for the, the stuff that, Oh, the sound, how they, how they made the, the sound. So, um, Linda Blair is the actress that plays Reagan, um, in this film. She, um, you know, is the in, is the in the room actress. She's the one. She's the one playing Reagan. However, she's not the voice of the demon once she gets possessed um, mm-hmm. because they I, I believe if I'm understanding correctly, they filmed the movie and had her voice, but then back went back and recorded it later because, you know, her voice wasn't enough to really scare people. Apparently um, <laughs> And so they had a voice actress come in um, and I uh, she like would chain smoke swallowed raw eggs um the the voice actress that did this um and i think i actually have her listed on this document hold on let me make sure um yeah mercedes mccambridge um she's the voice of the demon she was like a recovering alcoholic and she started to drink again because she thought that it made her voice more harsh and progressive uh progressive aggressive um she would swallow raw eggs chain smoke like a bunch of weird stuff to just make the like kind of cringe inducing sound chilling of the voice of the demon. And it's, it's really well done. And it's also just, there's a part of this movie that's funny. Um, cause after you've seen it for the first time, if you go back and watch some of the scenes with like, this is what a kid is saying. These are the words that are coming out of a kid's mouth. Mm -hmm. It's kind of hilarious. But the first time you watch it, I don't really think it's that funny. It's Mm -mm. pretty scary. No, it's like, I don't want to, you know, spoil anything, but it was like on the board of like, this is messed up. Like, yeah. what is she saying? Yeah, I can't like, believe I'm hearing this right now. Um, so, um, and that's for, uh, both of us went to public school. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a lot. It was a lot, yeah. but this movie, I can't recommend it enough. If you haven't seen the exorcist and you like horror movies in any way, shape or form, you need to go watch this movie right mm-hmm. now. And it is available on HBO max. Yeah. So it well, and even just fair warning. It is like messed up and it's, <laughs> You know, demonic, demonic yeah. possession stuff. So, like, if that's something that you're like, don't want to get into, that's literally what it's all. It's about. If you don't so like needles prepared. either. There's going to be a scene that you're not going to enjoy. Um, oh, full on. And sorry, just going to have yeah. to deal with it. Also, I, I mean, you can't watch this with people. I maybe suggest watch it by yourself. Don't watch it with your parents for sure. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that's good. So, alrighty, on to action. Which I don't know. Is this our favorite uh, subgenre? 
Um, Another movies we I have. I think it's the one I've seen the most. That's I don't fair. know if it's my favorite, but it's for okay. sure the one I've seen the most. I know the movies we've listed are up there as one of our favorite movies. But um, So, yeah, I can go first. Uh, I have uh, Inception, uh, directed by my favorite director, Christopher Nolan, written by Christopher Nolan. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio's in it, Joseph Gordon-Levi. I've actually always wondered Levitt. how to say his Levitt. name. Levitt. Levitt. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you got it. Elliot Page. Um, Ken Watanabe. Yeah, Ken Watanabe, Tom Hardy, Killian Murphy. Um, there's a lot of, I mean, really kind of, I mean, that's actually, it kind of how it works though with directors, right? They have like consistent guys that yep. they go in their movies, but I mean, Tom Hardy, Killian Murphy, Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, I mean, as it's been kind of being said around now, it's good soup because like, <laughs> it's just good. It's so good. And, um, for me, like I was, I was pretty young when I watched this. Um, when I watched it the first time, I just like could, I didn't understand what was happening. I was going to ask you that. So how how confusing do you think this movie is now? Not not the first time you saw it is what you were probably like what eleven or twelve. When yeah, you watched we this watched this the first time. The year it came out, so yeah. it would have been ten. So yeah. So what now as a as a person who's seen it multiple times, do you think this movie is in any way confusing? Um, I don't know if I'd use confusing. I would use difficult to wrap my head around. Is that the same thing or is that different? No, I think confusing is you're not understanding what's going on. Um, and difficult to wrap your head around is you like understand the plot that's happening, but like the larger ramifications, you're not really able to grasp at that point. Yeah, okay. No, no, it's not confusing. I mean, I'll be honest. Like, I just watched this with um, up in Omaha with my now fiance. Wow. Um, way, to, way to fit that in there. Yeah, that, good job. It still doesn't feel real. But. <laughs> I like I like caught something that I'd never caught, and I've probably seen this movie like fifteen times, <laughs> and like I watched it, and I was like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, that like they, they just said that because of you know, so it's still like cool to see even that. Um, it, I don't even know. I'll just say like you know, dream within a dream. Yeah, know? it's become a, a it's dream. become a meme at this point. Yeah, um, and this. One of the strongest parts of this movie. No special effects. Too. No, I'm kidding. Is, yeah. Is obviously it's got the classic Nolan practical effects, right? Yeah. But it's also everything else you relate with Christopher Nolan. Hans Zimmer, baby. Hans oh Zimmer. Yeah, how did I not mention that? Hans Zimmer's score is is electric in this I movie. I think this is considered one of the best scores like of all, of all time. time. Yes. Um, I, it's, I think it's the second best Nolan-Zimmer pairing. Interstellar is better to me score-wise mm-hmm. because... That's exactly. Too. That, exactly. That could have been my sci-fi that fantasy been pick. Sci-fi I, sh- pick. I could have yeah. been that. Um, but the Hans Zimmer score is just amazing in this film. And I just, this is not a turn your brain off action movie, but it's a very rewarding one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and I'll be honest, like you, you need to literally watch every second of this movie. If you've never seen this and maybe aren't like as like deep into movies. Cause if you, if you miss part of this, you, I genuinely, I'm promising you, you'll be confused. Um, but just a beautiful movie. Um, I, this is my second favorite movie of all time, I believe. No, third, because Shawshank uh, got in front of it when I rewatched it. Mm. Um, but Inception's my third. Interstellar is my fourth. Although I want to rewatch that. But beautiful movie. The, and, like Inception's one of those movies where I can like, like for him. Well, I'm not going to say that movie because <laughs> it's about to be brought up. But um, <laughs> like this is one of those movies. Like I can pretty frequently just like. Watch just turn it on multiple times a week, multiple times in a month. Like I'll be like, I just watched this, but I'll watch this again, just because. Especially Leonardo DiCaprio, beautiful job. And Nathan, you might know before I do, his wife in the film, 
Um, uh, I don't know her name, but uh, she does an exceptional job as well. Yeah, let me look it up. Um, this might be she it. is she is a classic actress. I recognize every time mm-hmm. I see her. Um, Marion Cotillard. Yes, yes. Every time, every time I see her, I recognize her, mm-hmm. um, but I never know her name. For she's some not as popular, maybe, but I mean, she's in Dark Knight Rises, Midnight in Paris, Contagion. She's oh yeah, in, she's Talia Al Ghul, isn't she? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's in Assassin's Creed. She's in Anchorman. I mean, many. I'm still scrolling. <laughs> I, I haven't heard of these. That probably maybe some of you have, but um, she, I think, does an exceptional job. Maybe as good as Leo. Uh, and it's just. Again, Christopher Nolan writes a movie that no one has ever written before. Like, mm-hmm. it's not just a repeat movie like Taxi Driver was for Joker. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but good one. No, I just love how idea. Christopher Nolan, like, especially in this, it's like, yeah, no one's written this ever on, on, on the screen before. And uh, I thought he executed it exceptionally well. Yeah, this is, um, this is just another classic Nolan movie. Um, if you don't like Nolan, which some people don't, I don't really get those people, but there's people out there that don't like Nolan. Um, if you don't like Nolan, then this may not be your exact cup of tea, but go for Leo and stay for, you know, just the unique action set pieces. There's the famous hallway scene that, mm. that I think everybody talks about. Um, That's real. They where, actually did that. Yeah, where they built, obviously, the set of the hallway, and then were actually rotating it like the actors were in a weird switching gravity. I'm not going to explain it because the movie does. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's just – it's it's a movie that, yes, you know, Nolan's dialogue, not the strongest in any of his movies. But what he does better than pretty much any director ever is setting up these complex action action sequences and bringing them out and getting the best out of his actors while doing them. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's just – he's the movie is great. Um, yeah. It was nominated for – for eight Oscars and won um, four of them. Notably, when I was looking at it, it did not win win best score. Um, which are you serious? Which, I was just um, like, feels best writing original screenplay. Oh, no. Yeah, ah, that's awkward. Actually, they, they nope. It shouldn't have won best score because the best score of the 2010s is actually nominated and won, um, and that would be the Social Network score by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. You think it's better than Inception? Absolutely, I do. Um, don't they just yell at each other in his office the whole time? There's, yeah, music, the score, there's music in no, that? <laughs> don't do this. Don't do this. Don't act like it's not good. Don't do this. No, I like the movie. Um, I really just don't remember there being music and for um, that great music. You will. The dun, dun, dun. Oh. Yeah. There you go. Okay. See, I took all. that's all it took. So, yeah. Okay. I agree with that pick, actually. Um, Zimmer probably goes up in any other year and just wipes it. Cleans house. Unanimous. In, in that category. But, um, you know kind of ran against juggernaut there but mm-hmm. you know this movie top to bottom it's it's an experience this movie is. is an experience i'm very sad that i didn't watch this in theaters this is another oh my one goodness. That, that would have been fantastic in theaters so. low-key sometimes they like do that again they'll replay movies if like the hangar here in maryville or somewhere other mm-hmm. ever is playing it i think i want to go watch it yeah just to experience that surround sound and mm-hmm. the dream within a dream within a dream within a dream within a dream yeah there's experience. also also uh, any of you gamers out there um Wow, that was the lamest sentence I've ever said out loud. Um, gamers. Any of you gamers out there, uh, the last part of this movie looks like it was the snow uh, mission from Modern Warfare 2. Um, so you'll enjoy that, mm-hmm. at the very least. Yeah. Um, so there's that. So, yeah, like, I'm saying it again, but I'm going to watch this movie. <laughs> um, this is three now. Yeah. but For you, those keeping track. 
you seriously need to to watch this um beautiful film i don't know what else to say yeah really. no i think you got it um okay so for mine so for full disclosure action was actually the first category i said we were going to do and then when i picked my action movie i decided to make it the last category because oh, i would like to good. end the podcast talking about this because it's mad max fury road mm-hmm. um 2015 movie directed by george miller written by george miller um, Brendan McCarthy and Nick Lathuris um, stars Tom Hardy, Charlize Theron, Nicholas Holt, Zoe Kravitz, um, Hugh Keysburn is a Morton Joe, Nathan Jones is Rictus Erectus, um, which is a ridiculous name. I recognize mm-hmm. it. This movie is ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. There's no other way to put it. If you haven't seen another Mad Max film, um, you don't really need to to mm-hmm. watch this film because it's actually a prequel. So you're fine if you don't watch another one. But uh, you know how oftentimes in action movies, the car chase is like the most exciting part of an action movie? You know how that sometimes works? Well, imagine if that was just the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is a post-apocalyptic wasteland, desert wasteland, and the entire movie is them driving a semi-truck through this desert wasteland being chased by an army of crazy people um, who have flamethrower guitars and um, pole cats with exploding grenade spears mm-hmm. and... Um, shotguns everywhere and uh, there's hand-to-hand combat there's vehicle combat there's snipers there's this is everything i want an action movie it's for me the greatest action movie of all time that's hyperbolic Uh, i don't care because i believe Mm it i i've seen this movie twice already this year um in the span of a week actually Mm -hmm. um i watched it twice and both times i was just, just super excited um to watch it this this another you know movie with fantastic just fantastic score from from junkie xl here uh if you ever need to get somewhere fast in your car turn on the mad max for your road score um, true. you'll probably break some laws but i guarantee you that you will get where you wanted to go faster yep um that's just top to bottom a movie that i just love and talk about all the time it's true um yeah <laughs> david can confirm that i talk about my love for mad max Fury road all the time well like even like which is surprising, though. I think it's just because of how much and like extra this movie is. There are some people that we've even talked to that like don't like this, and I think it is just because it is a lot. Mm. Like it's like it's. I'd, I'd label this movie aggressive. Yeah. However. Yeah, that's accurate. I mean, it, it, however, it won six Oscars, um, and was nominated for four others. So it was nominated for ten of the eleven Oscars it can, it can win. I'm not sure which one it didn't get. Maybe probably Best Picture. Uh, didn't win no, Best Picture. Didn't win Best Director. Um. Uh, didn't win cinematography. All of those things are fantastic. Uh, obviously, Best Picture is a movie. But mm-hmm. cinematography and the directing in this movie is great. And it was achievement in visual effects. Um, this movie was... Actually, I believe it's considered a bomb, technically. be Not a bomb, but a disappointment at the box office because of its budget and then what it, what it managed to mm-hmm. uh, make back. Because its budget was $150 million. Um, and it only made 150 million in in Canada and the U.S. I'm sure that it's lived on a life. It's actually it grows 400 million worldwide. Um, there's been a rumored uh, prequel, Furiosa prequel in the works. Um, that that is just something I'm super excited for. But this is just a movie, top to bottom. You know, it's got the classic things that I love. It, it CGI is used. Very sparingly. I mean, it's obviously used because Charlize Theron in real life has two arms, but Imperator Furiosa um, only has one arm. Uh, she, does, she doesn't have her left arm. Um, so obviously CGI is used there. But at other points, you know, it's practical effects. Um, the stunt work in this film is great. Uh, I heard that this is one of the worst shoots ever. 
of people like they they hated filming this movie because it was so difficult to film mm. but you know and tom hardy is is good in this role but you know the true the true standout is is charlie's is furio so. yeah well i think tom hardy says what like 12 words in the entire movie yeah it, i mean <laughs> it's it's not it's a it's not a movie with a lot of dialogue but furiosa is um one of my favorite characters in just all of film um uh you know, I said it before in this episode. I'll say it again. Furious is one of the most badass characters in movies of the past um, 25 years. I would say she is just she's amazing. Um, so the, her and Amy Adams are just teaming up right now. Emily Blunt. No, no, Emily Blunt. Yep. That you said, you said no, Amy Adams is one of the best 25. But you said Emily yeah. Blunt. OK. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So I you know, Charlize is rocking the buzz cut in the desert with the black face paint over and she's driving this war rig and she's doing everything she needs to do. Um, don't get scared off by some of the weird like, you know, there is some weird kind of like he's the whole plot of the movie is she steals the warlords breeders. And there's some weird stuff in this. Mm-hmm. There's there's like a. They use a human as like a blood bag is what they call him. You know, this is this movie. I wouldn't say it's for the faint of heart, but I'd say if you like action movies and want to have an adrenaline rush, there's nowhere else to go. And if you don't like needles, there is a scene you might have to look away. Yeah. But again, you know, adrenaline rush. Just if you're looking for just a wild two hour ride, literally a ride, you know. Yeah. um, This is this is the movie that you just have to see Uh, on HBO Max. And also AMC Plus. I have yet to meet a person in real life that has AMC Plus. If you have that, let me know. What Um, even is that? (laughs) uh, Yeah, what's it like? Um, I guess you get Mad Men and Breaking Bad, so that's got to be nice. Let us know. You don't Um, have a way to do that, but let us know. But yet, yeah, Fury Road, Mad Max Fury Road. um, Go watch that. Go watch that bad boy. Go spend two hours watching it. Um, It's a great time. It's it's my fifth favorite movie of all time and what I would consider the best action movie, just pure action movie probably ever made. Mm. Um, so it's very good. Yeah. Just go see it. So but that that's going to be that's going to be it for us. Thank you for for listening if you are. And if you're not, you're not going to hear me say this. So it doesn't really matter. Um, once again, I am Nathan English and I'm David Dirks. And this is What Do You Want to Watch? Um, episode one, our movie recommendations. So thanks everyone. Thank you.